Hey, I'm Dr. Michael Hunter, forensic pathologist from Autopsy, Reels Channel's medical mystery series on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to download the Podcast One app and subscribe. Then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, to find more programs like this one on Reels Channel. This morning, the entertainment world is mourning the death of Soul Train creator and host Don Cornelius. Cornelius was found shot dead in his home in Los Angeles early Wednesday morning. The L.A. County coroner is calling it a suicide. Don Cornelius was the legendary creator of the hit music and dance show Soul Train. With his deep voice and cool demeanor, Cornelius was a popular host and pulled in millions of viewers each week. Don was one in a million. Don Cornelius was the godfather of cool. He became an entertainment icon. And you can bet your last funny it's all gonna be a stone gas, honey. Soul Train provided the first national exposure on American TV for black musicians and dancers, and redefined dance, fashion, and music. Don Cornelius took black music mainstream. Don just started a movement, and he was so cool. There was no man hosting a, a music show like that, with predominantly African-Americans rocking and dancing. He wanted to create a vehicle for black music to truly shine. Soul Train changed the face of music. Everybody who was anybody wanted to be on Soul Train. But on February 1st, 2012, Don Cornelius was found dead at his home in Beverly Hills. Around the world, spontaneous gatherings of soul music fans celebrated the life of an American hero in the Soul Train line. Now, medical examiner Dr. Michael Hunter is taking a fresh look at the death of an icon who inspired generations. In my experience, it's usually not a single factor that leads to a suicide, but multiple complicated issues that act as that final trigger. Don Cornelius had a successful, lucrative career. He had a multi-award winning show, Soul Train. He lived in Beverly Hills, and he shot himself. I need to understand what's going on in his body that led him to kill himself. Dr. Michael Hunter is a world-renowned forensic pathologist. He's performed over 4,000 autopsies to investigate and reveal the cause of death. Today, he's the chief medical examiner in one of America's biggest cities. The headline of Don Cornelius' autopsy report is that he sustained a single gunshot wound to the right temple. There's soot present around the wound entrance, and that tells you that it was fired at point-blank range. And there was also a gun found in his right hand. From the evidence in the autopsy report, I have no doubt that Don Cornelius committed suicide. The question I have is why. January 31st, 2012, Beverly Hills, California. The day before his death. 75-year-old Don Cornelius is in his Mulholland Drive home watching television. Now, four years after selling the money-spinning franchise of the hit music show Soul Train, Don leads a quiet life. The maid came in and saw him daily and helped around the house. Don's body is typical of a 75-year-old. I see signs of old scars, healed fractures, and he's mildly obese. He's also suffering from minor thickening of the blood vessels on the heart, but this wouldn't have caused him any real issues. 
I can also see that Don has nodular hyperplasia of the prostate gland, and that's an enlargement of the prostate, very common for someone his age. And what happens is that it causes a very uncomfortable urge to urinate. This can be frustrating, but probably nothing more than that. Born September 27, 1936, Don Cornelius grew up on Chicago's South Side. A Marine, he served in Korea, then worked as a salesman and police officer in his home city. But his dream was to be a disc jockey on one of the city's vibrant black music stations. Erica Blount Denoy, author, Love, Peace, and Soul. Chicago had a thriving music scene. It was a music capital, particularly for black music, for blues musicians, you know. Don grew up loving soul music and wanting to be a DJ or a host. In 1966, age 30, Don got lucky. Mike Walker, journalist. The guy who ran a radio station, he heard Don's voice. It was otherworldly, so rich and so booming. He said, you've got to be working in radio. We're going to take our first call. Put him to work reading the news. Don Cornelius went from news reading to news reporting. And as the civil rights movement grew in strength, Don became the station's man on the ground, filing reports during the riots in 1967 through to Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination and the upheavals that followed. He was such a success that he switched to TV in 1968. Why do you feel Jesse Jackson is our most effective leader? But Don's main love was still soul music and he convinced the bosses at his Chicago TV station to find a slot for a music television program aimed at young African Americans, which Don would produce, with $400 of his own money. In August 1970, a legend was born, Soul Train. Young, trendy dancers became global ambassadors for black culture and style, and were an instant hit with viewers. Bowlegged Lou was part of the hugely successful R&B and hip-hop group Full Force, who performed on Soul Train numerous times. With their youthful energy and theatrical performances, they shot to fame. Bowlegged Lou, musician. He changed and revolutionized variety dance shows. Don Cornelius created a vehicle that we've never seen before, just specifically for African Americans. At that time, there wasn't a breakout African-American dance show. He wanted the world to see this. It was a revelation. It was a shock. It was like, wow, look at this. Soul Train was without doubt the biggest shop window for music. Karen White, singer. It was the best vehicle because if you were hot on Soul Train, you had a hit. Over the course of 35 years and more than 1,000 episodes, Soul Train featured iconic performances from the biggest stars in soul, R&B, and hip-hop, including James Brown, Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, and Michael Jackson. And Don was its driving force. Don was a brilliant showman. He was the greatest thing that ever happened to black music. Don Cornelius was able to commodify black culture and made it into something that everybody could enjoy. For some white people, that was the first time that they had a window into black culture. Soul Train was the hippest trip in America. At the time of his death in 2012, Don Cornelius had amassed a multi-million dollar fortune through Soul Train. So why would Don, the brains behind one of the most successful and important musical programs in history, have chosen to end his life so violently? 
Don is experiencing a range of health problems associated with his age, but I'm not spotting a lot here that really is terribly worrisome, other than the fact he does have a lung condition called emphysema. Now, this might be something that would require increased monitoring from a physician. January 26, 2012. Century City. Five days before his death. Don's visiting his doctor. After his appointment, he bumps into an old friend, R&B singer Karen White. I was a singer on Soul Train many times, but it had been about 10 years since I had seen him. He looked great, sharp as a tap. He was suited and booted. We just talked for about 30 minutes. We reminisced about old times and the music business. There was no indication he was sick. He just looked like young swag. He was a cool cat. Although his emphysema may have needed to be monitored, it wasn't critical. I think it would have led to maybe some shortness of breath, some fatigue, but certainly wouldn't be a reason for someone to kill themselves. This is likely the long-term result of smoking. But it wasn't just cigarettes that Don was used to smoking. He also smoked marijuana at the Soul Train's after parties. And the Soul Train after parties were legendary. Don made sure that there was always plenty of liquor and marijuana, and, of course, lots of beautiful ladies. These parties were his way of rewarding the dancers and the crew and everyone that was a part of his team. The Soul Train parties, oh, my God. Lee Bailey, journalist. They were just the bomb diggity is. Lots of pretty girls, a whole bunch of dancing and music and celebs. This is the countercultural movement. This is sex, drugs, soul music. And as well as marijuana, cocaine was plentiful. Using drugs was something that was very popular. Don had success. He had the money, and he partook just like everybody else did. I heard that he loved the best, the finest cocaine. He would go to great lengths to get the best grade of cocaine. And there were rumors that Don also liked crack. The heady, hedonistic days of Soul Train were gone. But was Don still dabbling in his old ways? It may seem odd for someone of Don's age to be using cocaine. But this is an addictive drug, and it's not uncommon to see it at all in individuals in their 70s and even in their 80s. <sighs> when I look at the toxicology report... The coroner ordered tests on Don's blood for cocaine to see whether it may have played a role in his suicide. The chronic use of cocaine can lead to an unstable condition called psychosis. Dr. Linda Papadopoulos, psychologist. Psychosis is an inability to make sense of your surroundings. So you might be delusional, see things that aren't there. You might have auditory hallucinations. You basically lose touch with reality. If Don was experiencing some sort of psychotic episode, his reaction is not going to be congruent to what's happening. And suicide is one of the most common causes of premature death in people who have psychoses. Is this why Don took his life? We got word today from Los Angeles that Don Cornelius had died of an apparent suicide. On February 1st, 2012, Don Cornelius's body was discovered at his luxurious home in Beverly Hills with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Now, top medical examiner Dr. Michael Hunter is piecing together the evidence from Don Cornelius' autopsy report 
and the investigative findings to establish what may have happened in Don's body that could have triggered his decision to take his life. So far, I've discovered that Don has a mild degree of heart disease and a condition with his prostate associated with advanced age. I also know that the coroner tested for cocaine, and if this was present in the bloodstream at the time of his death, it brings up the possibility of drug-induced psychoses. Is this a trigger that possibly led to his suicide? I can see here in the toxicology report that cocaine was not identified in any of Don's biological specimens. Also, we know that he wasn't undergoing any kind of behavioral therapy for drug addiction. So I think we can rule out drug-induced psychoses as maybe a cause for his suicide. Midnight, February 1st, 2012. Beverly Hills, California. Three hours before his death. In the early hours of the morning, Don is at home, unable to sleep. He's restless and wanders around the house. But this is not the first time that Don has suffered from mental turmoil. In fact, he's been dogged by it for years. 1980, the Soul Train Studios, Los Angeles. Ten years after its launch, Don Cornelius' groundbreaking show Soul Train had achieved popularity and influence worldwide. Don Cornelius was a cool brother, man. He had the signature 1000-inch afro that everybody loved and he was so slick don's cool exterior image was important to the business to the brand of soul train that's what people knew him as and that's what the brand entailed he was for all intents and purposes mr soul train but behind don's ultra cool facade was a stern and driven man whose outbursts often shocked those around him he was the chief ringmaster if he didn't like something he would have you do it over again he was a no-nonsense guy. You didn't joke around with Don Cornelius. He was a serious man, and he was all about making Soul Train a success. He knew what he wanted, and he knew how to get it. He would really go off on the crew. The show had to be done a certain way. Don was very powerful. It was really his way or the highway. Don't do that. Get off the set. Damn, come on, fill up the space here. Even his eldest son, Tony, who worked on Soul Train from his teens, was treated no differently. Cut, 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 cut. Don would yell at his son in front of the entire crew. Damn, what's the matter, Tony, man? Can't you get it right? Nobody was exempt from his wrath, including his own family. Uh, it won't happen again. I know it won't. You're my son, for God's sake. It became clear that Don wasn't just a perfectionist. There was something far more serious wrong with him. His health problems started early on, around the mid to late 70s. He had these debilitating headaches. Don Cornelius was experiencing serious chronic pain, and that would have heightened all of his senses. It's going to make you feel more vulnerable, much more sensitive, much more agitated. Your baseline for tolerance is already so heightened because of the pain you're experiencing, and particularly anger becomes more intense. These headaches went on and on and on. And, you know, at first he just sort of bowled his way past, but eventually they discovered that there was a problem with Don. Here in the autopsy report, it states that there are multiple surgical clips located at the base of the brain. And that's consistent with someone who's had major brain surgery. Fall 1982, 30 years before his death, Don's doctors diagnosed him with a major medical problem. 
he's found to have an arteriovenous malformation or an AVM. And this is the abnormal tangle of blood vessels connecting arteries and veins. AVMs over time will stretch because of the pressure in those blood vessels. As the blood vessel walls get thinner, blood can leak into the healthy brain tissue, damaging the brain. Symptoms of this condition include dizziness and severe headaches. An arteriovenous malformation is an extremely rare condition, and if left untreated, it can be life-threatening. So Don decided to have surgery. He had what's called a craniotomy to fix the problem. This is a radical surgical procedure in which a portion of the skull is removed to expose the brain. The abnormal collection of blood vessels is localized, the vessels that supply it are surgically clamped, and the AVM is removed. After that, the skull section is replaced. These tangles do not grow back, and if it's completely removed, Don should not have any more complications after the surgery. Hoping that his headaches and mood swings had now abated, Don returned to work on Soul Train. 1991, the Soul Train Studios. With the explosion of rap and hip-hop into the mainstream, Don drew in massive acts to the Soul Train stage like LL Cool J and DJ Jazzy Jeff featuring the Fresh Prince, who brought a contemporary feel to the show. Don's grip on Soul Train remained as tight as ever, but despite surgery, his volatile behavior got even worse. Cut, cut, cut. Get your ass together and get your stuff and get out of my studio, man. Get out! From the top! Journalist Lee Bailey remembers Don's outbursts. There were times when uh, we clashed. If he wrote something about Soul Train that he didn't like, he would be so mad that he'd be on the phone ripping me one. <laughs> Don was quick to anger, but kept quiet about his problems. He was a very proud man. No matter how close you was with Don, he was still private. You wouldn't know what he could be thinking. To the rest of the world, Don still tried to present that super cool image. Don may have seen admitting to suffering, admitting to pain as a sign of weakness. For someone like Don, who valued control, who valued his ability to manage how others perceived them. He no doubt felt like he had to maintain that identity that was always so key to him. So what was continuing to make Don's behavior so erratic? The next thing I notice in the toxicology report, Don has valproic acid in his system. And this is a drug that's used to treat migraines, but it can also be used for a condition called bipolar disorder. The exact cause of bipolar disorder is not known, but it's thought that there's an imbalance of chemicals in the brain, neurotransmitters such as serotonin and dopamine that lead to this disorder. Bipolar disorder has two polarized areas. One is mania, where you're very agitated and you probably sleep very little. And then you have the other extreme, which is feeling extremely low and depressed, nothing's worth living for, feeling very hopeless, feeling very helpless. During these episodes, one's uh, decision-making can be hugely impaired. It's possible bipolar disorder is a secret Don's been living with and struggling to conceal his whole life. He had this persona where he could be your best friend or your worst enemy. Don's mood swings became so pronounced and so noticeable to people that uh, 
people started saying that they thought he was actually bipolar. Given that Don is acting irritably, irrationally, that he's showing poor judgment, it's understandable that some people would have thought he was bipolar. June 1993, the Soul Train Studios, Los Angeles. After 22 seasons at the helm, 56-year-old Don Cornelius retired as host of Soul Train. Don stepped down because of his health issues. He wasn't moving as quickly and thinking as quickly as he had done before. He kept hold of the franchise and remained executive producer. He brought in younger hosts to front the show. When Don Cornelius decided to step aside and bring in uh, younger hosts, that's when Soul Train was losing its luster. All of the hosts that he chose were just okay. They lacked a certain gravitas. The legendary Don Cornelius wasn't there. It just wasn't the same. Before he rose to fame, Don married his childhood sweetheart, Dolores Harrison. They had two children together and divorced when they were still young. But eight years after retiring from Soul Train at the age of 65, he married for a second time to Russian model Victoria Avila, who was many years his junior. Victoria was sort of a trophy wife. He was a successful, handsome man, and so women flocked to him. This is Mr. Soul Train. He's as cool as it gets. He could have any woman he wanted. But within the first few years of marriage, Don's temperamental moods became a major problem. People with bipolar disorder find any sort of friendships and any relationships really hard to maintain because one's ability to connect with that person during a bipolar episode is really difficult. His second marriage was very volatile. There were fights that were beyond dysfunctional. It was not a healthy relationship. There were just clashes. The marriage had been having its problems, and then it eventually became abusive. In December 2008, things came to a head. She was accused of pepper spraying him. And he was accused of threatening his wife with a gun. Don's mental health appeared to be spiraling out of control. Bipolar disorder is associated with an increased incidence of suicide. So is this what led him to take his life? 1.15 a.m., February 1st, 2012, Beverly Hills. Don still cannot sleep, so he turns on the TV. He will be dead in just two hours. The walls were closing in on Don. Nothing seemed to work for him, and he was getting desperate. An autopsy not only reveals how a person died, but how they lived. I'm Dr. Michael Hunter. If you like what you're hearing, check out more dark mysteries on your TV on Reels channel. There are shocking real life and death stories in world's most evil killers, like the quiet neighbor nicknamed the Scorpion after he bludgeoned nine women to death with a hammer, and Rodney Alcala, the serial murderer best known as the dating game killer. 
Then check out the latest episodes of Autopsy that reveal what really killed screen and music legends like Walt Disney, Tom Petty, David Cassidy, and Batman's Adam West. You can find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. Then check the top of the screen to find Reels in your area. Don Cornelius, a man who made a huge impact on music television, is dead tonight, apparently by his own hand. On February 1st, 2012, Don Cornelius's body was found by his son at his home in California. He took his life with a gunshot to the head. Top medical examiner Dr. Michael Hunter is trying to find out why. I'm examining the autopsy report of Don Cornelius to come to a conclusion as to why he killed himself. What we do know is he's taking valproic acid. That's a medication that's used for multiple conditions, including the one called bipolar disorder. Those close to Don noticed his moods becoming increasingly volatile, and his personal and professional relationships began to suffer. Then, in 2008, four years before his death, he appeared to have lost all control over his behavior. Don was accused of threatening his second wife, Victoria Avila, with a gun, and he was charged with spousal abuse. Victoria filed for divorce, and a bitter battle ensued. Don was truly humiliated. He was a very important figure in the black community. Out of my way! And he felt like he was being exposed in a bad light, and it really bothered him. He was depressed, and he felt that he had failed. Don was very aware of his reputation, so when he was convicted of spousal battery, this would have been a huge blow. His reputation was being tainted, and this would no doubt have made him feel like he was not able to maintain that identity of being in control that was always so key to him. Bipolar disorder may have had something to do with Don's mood swings and his volatility. However, at the time of his death, the valproic acid he was taking would have mitigated a lot of his symptoms and leveled out his mood. So I don't believe that bipolar disorder explains Don's behavior or his suicide. 2 a.m., February 1st, 2012, Beverly Hills. Don Cornelius has less than two hours to live. Still awake, he's watching TV alone. It's two years since his divorce from his Russian wife, and his sentence of 36 months probation for attacking her is up in just a few weeks. But something serious is troubling him. 3 a.m. Don calls his son, Tony. Hi, Tony. According to Tony's statement to the police, Don makes a worrying remark. You hear me, Tony? I don't know how long I can take this. Don't come to me. Sensing something is seriously wrong, Tony says he'll drive straight over, a 30-minute trip. Don tells him the back door will be unlocked. At some point in the next 30 minutes, Don takes his own life. 
3.30 a.m., Tony arrives at his father's house. This just coming in to see, and we're getting word uh, that former Soul Train host Don Cornelius uh, has died, apparently from a gunshot wound. When I heard that he killed himself, man, I was blown away, and I just started crying. I loved him so much. He was just such a great, great man, and I used to feel so proud and privileged that he's the great Don Cornelius, and... I can call him a very dear friend. I was in shock when I heard that he passed. I had no idea that, that he was hurting so bad. I really felt like, wow. I remember just thinking, you just never know what people are going through. It doesn't matter if you have money, you're rich. I wish I could have said something or done something. I don't think anybody had any idea he was in such a bad physical and mental state. He had to have been going through something extremely deep that he just did not want to deal with it anymore. In the aftermath of Don's death, shocked and devastated friends paid tribute to the late godfather of cool. To Don, we say thanks for being a conductor of the Soul Train and laying the tracks. And the fact that Don took his own life was met with surprise from the community. People were shocked, particularly given his level of success, that that happened in, in the way that it happened. Suicide in the um, black community has always been something a lot, of, a lot of black folk look down upon or frown on or just don't believe it's possible. There's a certain stigma that goes with suicide. It's seen as sort of a weakness given all that black communities have managed to endure over the years. Don Cornelius held a really important position in the African-American community. He was a black icon and he was aware of this legacy. So for a lot of people, it would have been inconceivable that Don would have taken his own life. He must have had some very compelling reasons to do so. Those who knew Don well discussed recent changes in his behavior. older than his years. Yeah, much, much older. Uh, talking and talking and talking and talking. Not really having a measurement of what he was saying and how he was saying it. And that was just so unusual for Don Cornelius. Don looked like he couldn't control himself. He looked like he wasn't quite aware of what he was saying and thinking. He looked like he was forgetting things. He looked like a guy who had just suddenly dissociated from everything. A rumor sprang up in the music business that Don had been suffering from Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's is a progressive disease that damages and kills brain cells. Tangles and plaques can develop over time and overwhelm the brain. This can cause severe problems with emotion, personality, and cognitive function. It's not exactly known what causes this process to begin, but it's thought that there is an association with environmental and genetic factors that lead to this brain damage over time. Alzheimer's disease could account for Don's recent uncharacteristic behavior. His agitated mood and his sleep issues might be symptoms for this disorder. Typically at autopsy, Alzheimer's disease is revealed by the cortical gyral crest of the brain. The convolutions, they become quite narrowed.
But when I look at Don's brain, they describe a normal convolutionary pattern. And to me, that rules out Alzheimer's disease. But there is something strange with Don's brain. It only weighs 1,050 grams. The normal brain weight is anywhere from 1,350 to 1,450 grams, so it's significantly lighter than it should be. And this could be consistent with a condition known as vascular dementia. Vascular dementia develops when brain cells are deprived of oxygen and other nutrients, and this causes those brain cells to die. It's associated with blockage or obstruction of the blood vessels that supply the brain. This is typically known as cerebral vascular disease. As the disease develops, it can slow the thought processes and cause irritable behavior and mood swings. Aware of his gradual cognitive decline, Don would also be more prone to depression. One of the worst things about dementia is that in the initial stages, you're aware of the deterioration. You can see your faculties going. Don's sense of self would have been slowly slipping away. He would have felt that he was losing his identity. So for Don Cornelius, who's someone who wants to portray an image of being cool and being in control, this would have been a huge blow. This degenerative disease could have contributed to Don's physical and mental turmoil and ultimately his decision to end his life. But there is so much damage to Don's brain because of the gunshot wound, it would have made it impossible to diagnose this at an autopsy. However, there's a clue in the autopsy report that suggests Don was suffering from a major debilitating condition, much worse than any of his other illnesses. And I think this is the key to understanding why he died. Sad news, music icon Don Cornelius has died. The coroner ruled Cornelius did die from a self-inflicted gunshot to his head. Medical examiner Dr. Michael Hunter is trying to establish why Don Cornelius, the creator of the iconic music show Soul Train, took his own life. I'm scrutinizing Don Cornelius' autopsy report to try to establish why he killed himself. Don was seemingly in poor health, He's had major brain surgery, and he's taking a medication prescribed typically for bipolar disorder. He was also thought to have dementia, but because of the damage to his brain from the gunshot wound, it would be impossible to establish that with accuracy at autopsy. But as I look deeper in the toxicology report, there's a second drug that's identified called carbamazepine. Similar to valproic acid, a drug that was established through toxicology in Don's blood, carbamazepine is also prescribed for bipolar disorder. But these two drugs taken in combination are typically used to treat brain seizures. Seizures are best imagined as electrical storms that sweep through the brain, causing the body to spasm involuntarily and sometimes can end in loss of consciousness. During a convulsion, the heart races, it's difficult to breathe, and you can actually lose control of your bodily functions. These episodes are physically demanding, and they can cause emotional and mental after effects. It can lead to anxiety, confusion, and even depression. One of the most insidious things about seizures is that you can feel them coming on. So there's no doubt going to be a real sense of impending doom, a sense of dread. You literally lose complete control of every aspect of your body. Your body is doing something so frightening and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Having to contend with a, an illness that's so unpredictable is going to really chip away at, at your sense of well-being. 
Don felt he couldn't trust his body, and that certainly has the capacity to make you depressed. Seizures occur when the electrical signal between nerve cells within the brain are disrupted. This is typically a consequence of damage or dead brain tissue. Don's brain tissue could have been damaged likely from two different causes. First is the arteriovenous malformation or the surgery that was used to correct it. He never fully recovered from the surgery. Complications resulted in seizures that would affect him throughout the rest of his life. When I examine the autopsy report, I see another reason that might explain Don's seizures. He has an aneurysm toward the front of his brain. An aneurysm is a bulge in a weakened blood vessel. As an aneurysm enlarges, it puts pressure on the brain and cranial nerves, and this can cause neurological symptoms such as loss of vision and problems with memory and speech. The aneurysm could have exacerbated the seizures Don was already experiencing. The seizures grew progressively worse as he got older. By the end of his life, he was having seizures more than once a day. In fact, it's clear that at the time of the death, his seizures were so severe that the drugs he was prescribed was simply not doing the job. The carbamazepine and the valproic acid were simply not sufficient. Now, when you're talking about psychopharmacological medication, you know, it, it, it's a balancing act. These are, you know, neurotransmitters. These are brain chemicals you're trying to balance. Don Cornelius was trying to manage his seizures. And that it wasn't easy. If he took too much, he felt very lethargic and drowsy and off balance. And then if he didn't take enough, then a seizure would come on. For someone like Don Cornelius, who thrives on being in control, this sense of helplessness and hopelessness would no doubt make him feel depressed. The increasing number of seizures would have put Don under a tremendous amount of physical and psychological stress. And people who have seizure disorder are three times more likely to take their own lives. And there's something else which I think pushed him over the edge. One of the most distinctive voices in the entertainment business is silent tonight. Tributes are pouring in for Soul Train founder Don Cornelius, who died today. On February 1st, 2012, Don Cornelius was found dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. At the time of his death, Don Cornelius was struggling with debilitating mental and physical conditions that would have seriously impacted the quality of his life. And the most serious of these were the brain aneurysm, and possibly the complications associated with the venous malformation and its treatment that left him in the grip of seizures. Don is taking two drugs, carbamazepine and valproic acid, to try to control his seizures, but these drugs used in combination don't appear to be effective anymore. And these drugs have side effects, and this can explain why Don took his life. I think this is the final piece of the puzzle. Carbamazepine and valproic acid commonly cause restlessness, mood changes, and sleep troubles. But some of their side effects can be much more serious, even deadly. They sometimes can cause depression and even suicidal thoughts. On top of the seizures and all the other issues he was dealing with, these drugs may have taken Don to the brink. The brain is an immensely complex machine, and we don't yet fully understand all the connections and processes that make it work. 
We have created amazing drugs to treat conditions that we do understand, but these drugs can have unintended consequences, and they can sometimes be as harmful as a condition that we treat. I think now I have a good idea of how Don's last few hours played out. Plagued by the physical and mental pain of his seizures, Don could not sleep. Many more years of pain and uncertainty lie ahead. An aneurysm in his brain means Don is faced with the reality of more seizures or more surgery or both. His eyesight is failing. He has lost control of his bladder. No longer able to do the things he loves, he is feeling isolated and depressed. Don thinks carbamazepine and valproic acid are a lifeline and continues to take them daily. But as the drugs pulse through his veins, they may only darken his mood and intensify his depression. The walls are beginning to feel like they're closing in on him. Don Cornelius is 75 years old, and he knows that he's degenerating. He's you know, contented with these awful seizures for 30 years, and he knows that they're going to get worse and worse. And every day that he takes these drugs, he's reminded that he doesn't have volition over his life. He's feeling depressed. And then the medication is making the depression worse. It's no wonder that he's going to want a way out. It's now that Don calls his son, Tony. Don has made a decision to end his life. And Tony is the only person who may understand what he's going through. The call to Tony is like a suicide note. You just never know what people are going through. The doctor may have told him that the quality of his life was being compromised. I can only assume that he reached out for help with medical professionals. Obviously, something bad was going on to make him do what he did. He was resigned to the fact that things weren't going to get better. The pain wasn't going to get better. Don Cornelius had tirelessly controlled everything in his life, even though he was suffering from severe mental and physical discomfort. At the time of his death, the increased severity of his seizures racked his body, and his body was getting out of his control. His suicide was a way to get that control back. Don was unique because he created something out of nothing, and it became successful. He was a great visionary pioneer and all around just awesome guy. Don was a very important part of music history and entrepreneurship. He managed to have a show that showcased black culture to a wide variety of people and that has not been replicated since. When Soul Train started, America was a really polarized place there was still quite a lot of outward segregation. This was the revolution. It brought white people and black people together. And Don Cornelius was very responsible for that. The world lost an innovator, a creator, somebody who brought music to life and shared it with the world. That will forever be his legacy. Don created such a vehicle with Soul Train that endeared him to millions of people, not only in the United States, but all over the world.
No matter how old Don got, though, he was still majestic. He was still larger than life. He was always the iconic Don Cornelius. Don just always had that love, peace, and soul. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autopsy. Don't forget to subscribe at podcastone.com with the Podcast One app or at Apple Podcasts. Then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, for clips, extras, and more from the TV version of the series, including reenactments and autopsy photos you'll only see on Reels' channel. Find Reels on your TV at reels.com. I'm Dr. Michael Hunter.